It was just a little bit too high. I could see that, that Rose and Masako were, were hitting it nicely, but I think I'd be too squeaky if I tried it. Would you turn, please, into the book of James? Last Sunday, Pastor Glenn gave us an excellent introduction to James, the author, and also an introduction into the letter that he wrote. We begin now to look at it a little bit, well, closer, just to learn some of the vital lessons. I'm going to read verses 2 to 12, because Pastor Glenn did verse 1 last week. So James chapter 1, verses 2 to 12. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Amen. What have I got here? Some lemons. Now, Pastor Glenn, before the service started, before he went off to the other prayer meeting, he got these three lemons and he did a marvellous juggling with the three of them. If I had tried that, they'd be all over the floor. So one day you'll have to ask Pastor Glenn to do some juggling for you. But yes, I have some lemons here. And uh, have you ever heard the saying, when life hands you a lemon, make lemonade? And whether you realise it or not, that saying is actually quite biblical. Now, I'm not saying that that saying is in the Bible. I'm saying it is biblical. Uh, unless someone wants to look up Hezekiah chapter 4. No? No takers. Okay. There is no book of Hezekiah. 
It's biblical because it's talking about turning a difficult situation into something much better, a blessing. Does anybody, anybody here like to eat a sour lemon? Oh, there's a few. Oh, dear. Well, most of us don't, but we all enjoy lemonade. When life hands you a lemon, make lemonade. In fact, when we read many of the stories of the Bible, we see how those of faith in God were often able to turn defeat into victory and trials into triumph. Instead of remaining as victims, they learned how to become victors. They turned lemons into lemonade. They made victories out of difficult situations. And in our reading this morning, James tells us that we can have this same experience today, whether we are dealing with difficulties and trials on the outside or facing hardships and temptations on the inside. What James is telling us is that through faith in God and a right relationship with the Lord Jesus, we can be overcomers and experience God's victory in all our life circumstances. The big question for today is, how do we express our faith in meaningful and practical ways in order to be overcomers and have God's victory in our lives? How do we do that? In other words, how can we make lemonade out of lemons? In our reading, James gave us four key words. They are what we call in English imperatives. They are like a command. They're not a question. They are imperatives. And these four key imperatives that James gave us were count, know, let and ask. They are not optional. They are things that in part of our Christian walk we must do. We must count, we must know, we must let and we must ask. And the first key of turning trials into triumphs is found in verse 2. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, as we read these words, there is something strikingly obvious. In verse 1, James did not use the word if, but when. When. Because James assumes that times of trial in life are an inevitability. Every one of us will one day face times of trials and difficulties. It's not a when, sorry, it's not an if, it's a when. Both personally and as a society, we face these times because they are part of our fallen humanity. I didn't hear an amen to that. You can say amen if there is something that's obviously correct. 
Contrary to what some or many Christians think or hope, even as followers of the Lord Jesus, we must expect times of trial and difficulties. So, what are some of these trials that we are to expect? Well, some may come simply because we are human. For example, sickness, accidents, loss or death of loved ones, frustrations and disappointments, especially if there are things that we value that have been taken from us, like a job or the treasures of our homes, maybe a fire, things like that. These are trials and difficulties that come to many people. And some may come, some of these difficulties may come as a result of our own poor choices, of our own thoughtlessness and our own selfishness. Likewise, some trials may come simply because we follow the ways of God. As Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus might sometimes suffer persecution. Is that right? What's the problem? Will suffer persecution. It's not might, but it's will. It's that emphatic. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Make no mistake, we are involved in a spiritual battle not of our making. Satan the devil, the evil one, whatever you want to call him, stands against all that God has established and purposes. And because we choose God and his ways in our lives, Satan sees us as a target and chooses to fight against us and uses ungodly agencies in the world to oppose and afflict us. Now, in Australia, we are very fortunate. We are incredibly fortunate because there are not a lot of persecutions yet in this country. Israel Folau, however, has um, faced one situation just recently. But in other countries in the world, there is great persecution on those who claim Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, even sometimes to the point of death. And as a result, as James wrote, we should expect trials. And let us not forget the words of the Lord Jesus in John 16, verse 33. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer the Lord says, I have overcome the world. There is our comfort and our joy. 
But what else is our response to all this? James says that we are to count it all joy. Count it. We're to make a list of those things that God has done that gives us joy in our life. Count your blessings. Name them one by one as the old hymn went. Or the old song. Don't know that it was a hymn. But it was definitely a song. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Sorry? Sorry, brother? It will surprise you. That's right. When you count them, it will surprise you. In Acts chapter 5, when the apostles were put on trial by the ruling council, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the Lord. Verse 41 in Acts 5. Likewise, in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Paul rejoiced in tribulation because it produced in him perseverance, character and hope. And what we learn from this is that the first step to turn trials into triumphs is to thank God in all our circumstances and to look beyond the now to see things from God's greater perspective and let this be the reason for our joy. Even while we're in the midst of difficulties, we can thank God because he always has our future in his hands. The second key of turning trials into triumphs is found in verse 3, where it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. As followers of the Lord Jesus, we are not being asked to blindly and to fatalistically accept whatever comes our way. That is not what has been asked of us. The world may talk in terms of chance, luck, and the case uh, Sarah Sarah factor. You know what that means? Whatever will be, will be. That's fatalism. But this is not how God wants us to live. We are not to be fatalists. For those of faith, there is a reason. And we should have understanding for everything that comes to us. When we know and understand why things come our way, it's then possible to have a strong faith and a joyful attitude. And as we begin to grow in godly understanding, we come to appreciate that God permits some trials to test our faith. Because when our faith is tested, it can cause us to look more to God and so bring out the best in us. You know, how many of you are wearing gold today? Yep, many of you are wearing gold. Of course, when you dig gold out of the ground, do you just hammer it and put it on as a ring or anything? No. It has to go through the testing of fire. And it is in the testing of the fire 
that it burns out all the impurities. God allows testing of our faith so that all those impurities, those things that we thought were once biblical and once pertinent to faith are burnt out of us so that we hold fast to that which is right and pure and true. As we read in 1 Peter 1 verses 6 to 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. With understanding, we discover that we can have joy in trials because we know that these trials and testings ultimately work for us and not against us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 is your reference there. And they enable us to mature as followers and workers for the Lord. As we read in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, tribulation produces patience, or in other renderings, perseverance. And patience or perseverance, character. And character, hope. It is because we understand that life is under God's ultimate authority and not a matter of random chance, that we are enabled to courageously face all manner of difficulties, all manner of trials and suffering. The third key of turning trials into triumphs is found in verse 4. Let patience have it's perfect work. And I'm not focusing on the word patience. I'm focusing on the word let. It's been said that the quality of our patience or our steadfastness comes only as we confront life's trials and difficulties. As such, it is as we allow godly patience to have sway in our lives that we are enabled to really benefit and grow in the face of difficulties and trials. So often, our desire is to quickly get over our trials and difficulties. We want to avoid the pain and the sorrow that so often accompanies them. You know, we want a solution to difficulties that, it, that it's the McDonald's drive-through solution. You know, you, you, you go into McDonald's, into the drive-through, you make your order and within a minute you come out and you've got everything you want. And so often we think that's the way we can face trials and difficulties. We just pray and it'll be over like that. That's not always the way that God wants it to be. It's not always possible. And so there are times when the best course of action is to patiently accept and bear up under the times of trials and difficulties. We have to 
allow, we have to let godly patience have sway in our lives and endure what may come to us. Because there is a deeper blessing and lesson to be found through that time of waiting. I often think of the experience of Corrie ten Boone when she was arrested by the Nazis and she was put in a concentration camp and she was put into awful situation with a lot of other women and in the barracks where all these women were crowded she found lice. The lice every night would eat the flesh, would bite. The women were complaining about the horrible conditions with the lice. And Corrie Tim Boone thanked God. Do you know why? Because God gave her the wisdom to understand that with a body covered in lice, no German guard was going to come in and rape the women. The lice protected the women from being raped by the guards. So Corrie ten Boone thanked God for the lice for all the time that she was in, in the camp. In Psalm 23 verse 4, the psalmist was very aware of times of trial. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist wrote. You know, sometimes in life we cannot nor should not avoid these times of trial. Sometimes we're called upon to face them with prayerful courage and determination and to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not avoid, not run around, and not try and fly over, but to walk through. And what we find or what we learn from this psalm is such a valuable lesson because, you know, shadows cannot hurt us. Shadows cannot hurt us. They can only intimidate. Intimidate those who do not know what it means to walk in the light of the Lord Jesus. So often the trials and tribulations we face are like the shadows. But ultimately, the Lord walks with us. And he will see us through. The fourth and final key of turning trials into triumphs is found in verses 5 and 6. Oh, sorry. I'll go on to. In verses 5 and 6, where we read, Ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Ask in faith with no doubting. If there is one lesson to be learned in life, it is that none of us are perfect. 
I know I'm not. Ask Cheryl, she'll tell you. <laughs> None of us are perfect. We are all flawed individuals. Our human nature and human character is lacking in so much. And as we come to realize this, we then have a choice. We either hide, compensate, or try to avoid our imperfections. Or we come to the one who is perfect and we humbly ask his help. The message of Scripture is clear. If you lack anything, especially wisdom, don't be afraid to ask God. When I first became a follower of the Lord Jesus, I was 21. And my first prayer after yielding my life to him, my first prayer was that he would grant me wisdom like the wisdom of Solomon. Now, I don't think I do have the wisdom of Solomon, but I think I have more wisdom now than what I had then. So I thank the Lord for the, for the measure that he has given to me. And it is as we ask God to involve himself in our lives that we discover how giving and forgiving God really is. God will never reproach us for asking him anything in prayer. He may say no to our prayer. He may not want what we are asking for and he may not want us to have it at that time. But he'll never reproach us for asking. On the contrary, the Lord delights in our requests of him because they speak of connection and relationship. If we're prepared to come before the Lord in a humble spirit and to ask him for something in our life that is lacking, he delights in that. As any parent delights to give their child something that they ask of their parent. Please, sir, may I have some more? As we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What is it that hinders faith in God more than anything else? It's doubt. So often, people doubt God because they doubt themselves. Oh, I'm not going to ask God for that because I'm not good enough. Over the years, in many churches where I have served, I have heard so many people say, I'm not good enough. 
and that hinders their prayer life. You are always good enough to come before the Lord to pray. They think God will not answer their requests because they don't think they have any self-worth. How wrong that is. You hinder God when you think you're not good enough to pray. Wisdom is the deep spiritual insight that comes to a person when they realise that there is far more to life than merely what they can perceive with their own human senses. Wisdom is also far more than the manipulation of facts and figures to achieve a desired outcome. That's just intellectual knowledge. Wisdom is coming to understand the heart, the mind and the will of God himself and the courage to follow through with what God asks of us. As we discover in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 8, wisdom is a gift from God and can only be received by one whose life and faith is wholly invested in God. As we read and study God's word of scripture, as we pray his word into our lives, so God fills us with his spirit and enables us to see and understand things that were previously unknown, previously closed to us. Only then are we able to find God's victory, God's triumph in our human trials. Brothers and sisters, as we take hold of these four imperatives of James, counting, knowing, letting and asking, can we begin to see life from God's perspective and appropriate the blessings and the victories that God has for us in the face of trials and tribulations? In summary, here are the four keys of tur uh, to turning sour lemons into lemonade and earthly trials into godly triumph. Having the understanding and the knowledge that adversity can accomplish much good. Of letting the patient enduring of adversity accomplish its work under God's mercy and grace. All the while asking God in prayer and using the wisdom that only God can give in answer to prayer, to bring all things to fulfilment. As we close, let us read again the words of James in verse 12. Blessed is the one who endures temptation. For when they have been approved, they will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him.
What a wonderful promise. May God bless us as we heed his word and take hold of all that he has given to us. Let's pray. Father God, as we read and study this small letter of James, we thank you that there is so much wealth in each of the words. Truly, he was inspired by you, by your Holy Spirit. And thank you that even today, 2,000 years later, we can read these words and profit from them as they seek to guide us in how we can live our faith in you. We bless you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you.